Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things. Now, you may be familiar with the um, New Year's kind of like advertising slogan that a dog is not just for Christmas. Well, we are adopting that attitude here by saying a horror film is not just for Halloween. Yes, we are aware it is November and that the Gen Z spooky season of choice is behind us, but... We are still talking horror films on this here podcast. That's with me, Stephen, and my good friend, Vaughn. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about some horror movies today. Yeah, it's obviously it is November now, and we should be watching, I guess, Thanksgiving hits, or just re-watching Viva Vendetta, which I was going to get in and then didn't get around to. One year I'm like, I will watch Viva Vendetta on, um, on Guy Fawkes Night. Which I guess is not a thing outside of the UK. I mean, obviously it's not a thing outside of the UK. Um, and every year I just don't. Um, so there you go. That's a little insight into my non-movie watching habits, I guess. <laughs> Fascinating. But... Fascinating. Stuff <laughs> Thank <there. you>. Thank <laughs> you. It's just bore, bore the audience within the first minute. Here's what I haven't been watching recently. A, let me list all the films I've not watched recently. <laughs> Gone with the Wind. I haven't watched that for a long time. I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> It's got a good bit of a child dies. Is that a Thanksgiving that, that classic? I don't, I don't know. The, I, I did a Thanksgiving podcast with the Twin Geeks last year where Murph and I watched Best in Show. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. There you go. I believe yeah. that's the only Thanksgiving classic. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Thanksgiving is. I was quizzed on that episode and I barely knew then. Anyway, so we've both spent... Um, October watching a decent amount of horror films. Um, you more than I, because I was away for quite a lot of it. Yes, you um, were. But I still managed to get in a, a decent number. Um, I was helped by Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, of them being <laughs> their own little short films. Yeah, nice and digestible. Um, I haven't, still haven't gotten through those yet. I finished them um, on Friday. I Really worth watching through. Um, it's a shame the Panos Cosmatos one is absolute crap. Um, but the rest, apart from one, are at least interesting. Um, uh, starting with the the hot takes early today on this episode, yeah. which I think is going to be a general trend throughout what movies we're talking about. So yeah, it was also, I mean, most of my spooky season um, watches were Hellraiser movies, um, which is always good to see. Um, I think I had a similar number of Hellraiser movies to you, actually. Um, yeah, I also watched that whole franchise, and it is so, so not good. Um. I mean, at least one of the sequels is pretty good. I like how like Hellworld's pretty good, right? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, um, we also managed to catch up with some new releases. Now, um, we've talked Barbarian before, uh, so we're not going to talk Barbarian, but I've now watched Barbarian, and I actually echo everything that Vaughn said about Barbarian. Um, that movie is almost very, very good, and ultimately is bad. Um, so... The hot takes they begin. On this episode, we are going to talk about, in this order, I believe, Pearl. You already got it wrong. We, we discussed the no. order right before this started, and you already got it wrong. Terrifier no. 2. Yes, Terrifier two. 2 first. Pearl, Halloween ends. Yes, that is awesome. our, our three movies for this Halloween grab three bag. Three movies, here. yeah, for the Halloweenest of grab bags. All right, fabulous. So um, we'll try and keep it concise-ish for each of them. Um, I will even get a little time going to make sure we don't spend more than like twenty-five minutes on each film. Um, okay, which yeah, I that don't think good. we don't have any don't emails we'll... or anything. So we yeah, kind of... we want to. A lot of emails last time, which was wonderful, but 
let's get through some gosh damn movies this time. Since we got through no movies last time, technically, so this time, That's true. all movies, all the time. So, um, I'm going to start the clock now, and we're going to include our, our background with the series. So, um, Damien Leone, that's his name, right? Yes, um, maybe I believe Leone. so. Um, so this is the the latest horror sensation, I would say. In fact, all of these are a little bit sensation in their yeah. own way. They're all really in, interesting, different. Horror is an interesting place. Even if I don't love all three of his movies, um, it's an interesting place to be. So um, a bit of a, a famous one um, in our horror gorehound crowds of the original Terrifier, um, expanded from a short, vil- a short film of the same name. Um, and also part of the compilation um, All Hallows Eve, which I did not yeah, watch. Did you I watch All Hallows Eve? Did not watch either. Um, it didn't we? Some friends watched it, but I didn't end up being able to make that watch. But yeah, so then I did join for the first Terrifier, which yeah. is a terrible, terrible film. I really, really, I would say detest the first Terrifier. It is yeah, it's awful. Um, yeah. But was a bit famous in horror circles for being like a full out like gore explosion, just like throwback, just unrated madness of someone on a very low budget got this thing. I mean, it got around some horror festivals, etc. And Terrifier Two is the result of the word of mouth from Terrifier, um, and is very much um, Damon Leone or Leone. I don't know. I'm going to say Leone. Let's just pick one. Um, him responding to some of the criticisms. But also doing that thing again. So the core criticism from most people, maybe I mean, I agree with this, but I have more to critique about it, was that there is no story here. So Terrifier Two goes out of its way to have a story, and which means that it's also a two-hour and twenty-minute-long movie. Yeah, there's a lot for a slasher. I think probably kind of come back around to the runtime later because I definitely have thoughts on that. But yeah, it's very, very long for the genre mm. that, it, that it is existing in. And I think especially for a movie that is just more like a gore showcase, like it's a it's yes. a lot of movie there. Yeah, totally. Um, now, Terrify 2 was a big Fright Fest hit, I believe, um, which makes sense to me. It's the kind of movie that would go very down, down very well at Fright Fest. And it has done pretty damn well, I think, at the amount of cinemas it's playing. I know Prince Charles yeah. and London have been um, playing it a few times. I know a friend of the show, um, Luke, has been to see it, I think, there, if not in its vicinity. Um, it's done quite well. Obviously, it's, a, it's an increased budget for two, but still a low budget compared to films. And it seems to have done very, very well. And it has some really good word of mouth around it. So, Vaughn, what do you think? Really don't like Terrifier 2. I, yeah, same. I have much of... I mean, it is certainly a, a huge, huge improvement on the first movie because it looks like a movie and it has a story and characters, which is three things that the first movie does not have at all. Yeah, it is twice as good as the last film. The only issue is the first one was a one-star yeah, movie. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, I think it still falls into a lot of the same kind of criticisms that I had for the first movie and mm-hmm. of the violence of it specifically. And I don't think that it really solves any of those problems. I think, and we kind of discussed this briefly um, together, but I think kind of the core of it is that I think that Art the Clown is just a terrible slasher villain and is yes, not interesting or compelling to me at all. Yeah, I mean, you made the point of you cannot think of a, a slasher villain that is, is more of a nothing. To which my retort is, I only disagree, but the movies where there are less of characters, it's not very, very purposefully. So yes. we, we both agreed that the Slumber Party Massacre, the first one of those, um, is very much, there is a nothing here. But the nothing there is for a point that the movie kind of like relies on. 
This wants art to be a something. It thinks that art is iconic because he has an iconic look. He reacts a certain way, but he's these very shallow collection of characteristics that the logic doesn't really fit into the film very interestingly. Nothing's really done with him. Um, and his kind of like, I don't know, mm, his charm, so to speak, does not picked up up by the film. Like he could be this kind of like silly tongue in cheek slasher villain, but then he's just just violence. Like he just yeah. does extreme extreme violence in no iconic way, no interesting way. I was listening to the Twin Geeks episode on um, Halloween Four, and David talks about the ridiculousness of Michael Myers, and even the ridiculousness there is a bit of like. Um, echoing ideas so in how in four i think that's one where he like shoves a shotgun through someone like picks them up with it but like that's things that michael myers right. does it's the classic like puts a knife through someone and holds them up with the knife there is like a range of ability it's very video game like and like these are the key verbs of this character right this is the behaviors they have art the clown is just a look some memistry and then whatever random violence the scene needs to have yeah i i mean he's clearly trying to sort of do the iconic slasher villain thing of like if we construct this character and we make give him a very specific and distinct look and then he becomes sort of the the centerpiece of this franchise is we have art the clown and he's a cool slasher villain but they haven't done any of the establishment that actually puts him in that place i mean if you look at any of those other slasher characters there's actual you know even if it's minimal there is actual you know backstory or depth or intrigue to those characters i mean Jason Jason has like four movies before he becomes iconic. Jason Michael Myers is, you know, there's a lot of actual even though he is very basic at his core and it is basically just this idea of like evil personified, there is still a backstory there and yeah. there is still an understanding of who this character is and why they have filled this role and kind of the same thing with freddy krueger yeah like, there is and a freddy krueger is, is, is a known pedophile as we know yeah, about, I mean, that's yes. his backstory <laughs> <laughs> which the films either lean into or pull away from right throughout throughout um that series um yeah I, I, to begin with i quite like terrifier too um i was very much on the team of like this is such a, a great step up and i think there are bits in it that i do really really like i agree um, it's just that it, it, it as a whole it's I don't know, I just don't think Damon Lane is an, is an interesting filmmaker. It reminds me of... It's it's dissimilar from Rob Zombie films. It is dissimilar from. Yeah, I would... But I want yeah. to draw it as a comparison because it. I have that same feeling of, hello, person, clearly we like the same films and you are trying to use those films as your canvas, but I don't like the way that you express those films. Right. And I feel that when I watch um, House of Thousand Corpses or 10,000 only goddamn corpses are in that house, uh, being like, I too like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. However, I don't like what you've done with it. And yeah. I too like the slashing iconography that you are pulling from here. I like the body horror stuff. I like the ultraviolent stuff. But I don't like what you're doing with it. Which brings up the question is, ultraviolence. What is your relationship with ultraviolence as a distinct genre? Yeah, I mean, I, I did kind of want to preface my my thoughts on it by saying that I don't have a problem with ultraviolence. I enjoy it when it is done, you know, in an engaging and interesting way. I have no problem with extreme violence or extreme gore. Can you give I think an example? Is, um, something that just comes to mind would be like Rikio, where it's just like, just like totally wanton violence and gore. Not quite the same thing in terms of like the, more like the visceral sense of the, that, but yeah. I, I mean, just that kind of thing where like, I am, I have no problem with the extreme ends of those things if they are pulled off in the correct way. 
because I, I see you as, as someone that likes the the expressionistic side of ultraviolence. Yes. So your, your 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 body horror style. So you've got like the thing is definitely that. Like the thing is an incredibly violent movie. Oh yeah. And with his explosions of stuff. Um, Rikio is is a great example of that. I mean, society as well. Oh um, yeah. Brain dead as well with like the walking through a with example, a lawnmower. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I feel. And perhaps I am wrong here. I feel maybe I have a bit more of a taste for the more sadistic side of things. Um, I think I, so. I really love the second guinea pig film, um, which is a bizarre thing to admit to. <laughs> um, I quite like Martyrs. Um, and occasionally I just like have a taste for a film that just goes like real hard and nasty. I, yeah. I actually really quite like The Sadness, for example, which you really hated. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a Taiwanese film from last year. Yeah, the sadness is isn't definitely an interesting one to talk about because I don't necessarily have a problem. It, it's kind of the same problem that I mm. have with Terrifier, where it's like it's not like I have a problem with the violence itself. I have a problem with sort of the direction that the film takes to execute that violence. Yeah, and especially the sadness, which not the same as Terrifier, but the sadness. A lot of its violence is very sexual, and it just gets to a point where I'm like, I just don't like the choice that you've made for the avenue yeah. to get to this point. I, I agree with you with, with those parts of sadness, uh, but I, I felt there was like a sheer brutality to that film that I really, really enjoyed as bizarre as that sounds. And this is, this is a strength of it to have, but again, it's like cinematic violence is its own thing. We don't have the time to discuss like our relationship with it here and what that really means, um, though it's a worthwhile conversation, but there was an expressivity to the violence in um, the sadness of, and a creativity to it of doing yeah. things. And terrifier i don't it's there is a the same with terrifier one there is a technical skill that i can't ignore but there is a lack of i mean i made the joke in my review the first one like like this would be artless if the clown was not called art and i keep going back to things like there there is no art to the execution like tom savini is like a great i mean i don't Mm. like the burning at all but like the gore stuff in that movie is incredible because tom savini is so great at like in that kind of like painting way of like the macabre on screen of like just like it's just there's something arresting about these compositions and this just doesn't have that like it's just a lot of red and a lot of ripping and it's just not visually interesting or dynamic or expressionist it's not even something like necromantic 2 which is one i do really 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 like and it is very have you seen that movie i I haven't seen those yet um definitely on my list but haven't got really really grotesque but again, there is like something poetic is an overused word, but there is something expressionistic or impressionistic about, about the usage of gore, something evocative about it. Yeah. And the gore here, like the sadness is not evocative, but it at least evokes creativity. Whereas this just evokes just some stuff is happening. And I think the apex of that for me is there's like what felt like a 20 minute scene of just like whipping a kid, um, yeah. which I just had no interest in. I'm like, this is just, and and it goes back to, because there is no kind of like, iconic sense to the violence that art does there's no sense of like and dare i say the glee of that there is a glee when you see michael myers walking around with a knife out you're like i know what he is going to do with that right the tension there is really powerful and really interesting when jason grabs even in jason x a film i like with the most people when jason grabs that machete back you're like yes i know what is going on here this is great like the verbs and the follow-through of how horror films use their violence is really, really interesting. Slump Butter Massacre 2, when there's that like crazy drill guitar stuff, you're like, yeah, yeah. this is going to go somewhere. This doesn't have that. It's like, I'm ripping an arm apart, I'm ripping a skull off, blah, blah. It's just... Right, it is just... It's, it's always whatever the most violent avenue is mm. to achieve his end, and there's just... It just... I think it's like the line between a film just depicting sadism and like a film sort of like 
taking part in the sadism if that makes yeah. sense like the film feels like it is on art side and it feels like the lens is yes. so like gleeful with what it's depicting and i'm like i don't i can enjoy this but i don't want you to be like so excited to be so violent you know what i mean like it's hard to sort mm. of get to the bottom of, of what that really is but there's just something I, that it's just so mean-spirited to a point where i really it don't is, like it it is and I, I, I don't, I just don't get any artistry or imagination or fun from the effects. I, it's clear that people have, making this are having a lot of fun, but it doesn't transpose that way. Um, so Guinea Pig series I go back to a lot. I really like those films, even though only like with Star Trek, only the um, even numbered films are, are good. Okay. Um, so even numbered Guinea Pig films really worth watching. The rest not worth watching. Um, Guinea Pig 2... I mean, read my article on the site. Um, a really historically interesting film because the whole Charlie Sheen reports the FBI stuff. It is just an hour of torture, of, 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 of female-centered torture, which sounds utterly horrendous. But it is so abstracted from that to clearly just be... It's like a special effects showpiece. Right. It is just... It, it is only interested in creative injury detail. And I go back to something like The Thing, where it's just like, the way that The Thing things apart is really visually compelling and when they're tearing at bits of someone in guinea pig 2 it doesn't look like a body looks but it looks yeah. like you want it to look it looks meaty and weird it's got those grungy insides like ah that's how i want it to look in my brain which Whereas, i think is is the same thing with like tom savini like you know like those yes. effects look a very specific way that is like divorced from reality yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very much so it looks like meaty and gross yeah and it looks practical Whereas this is just, I don't know, stuff. And it's just... Yeah. It's, yeah. I, don't, I, I like me some... The, I, it's Yuzna uh, calls it like plastic reality, I think. Maybe the term is not quite that. But like it doesn't have that plasticky, wet, vinyl-y feel yeah. that I like out of like gore stuff. It's just kind of like, eh. Yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, I think there's another like a, a big miss in terms of trying to evoke the idea of like these classic slashers is like the the sort of the slasher formula in the in the past has been there's sort of a creation of morality within the film that the victims are sort of in, not obviously not actually deserving but like they have taken actions that lead to their deaths you know like the whole like okay, okay. you have sex and then you die kind of thing and I think this movie true. Does, that is also true of life this <laughs> this movie has no interest in in that kind of part of the formula and it just is killing people completely indiscriminately and obviously mm. you know there's should be empathy for the victims no matter what but like i think this just it's so indiscriminate and there is such a a lacking of any sort of definition of why he's going after any specific person and like you said like the end is just him violently attacking children and it's just like gets to a point where it's just like oh, i just don't I'm not enjoying watching this at all. Mm. And like it, it sets up a pseudo, it's it's never great, but a pseudo interesting arc of this like female lead and male lead of going out for reasons of like familial, like background of a bit of like, of an, and there's some good stuff of like invading dream stuff. And yeah, I like that like, idea. The first like half an hour, and but it's just like, and then it's just like, oh, then it's just Terrifier one again. Right. This is just Terrifier one with bits of plot thrown in. Because he's like, you want a plot? Here's some plot, and it's so haphazard in the end that those bits that could be good end up being kind of bad. Of like, what did that really mean in the end? Right. And you've got some weird extended "I drugged my friend" sequence, which is a thing that I never really like in movies. Yeah, that honest. was that was very bizarre. Um, um yeah, I terrify too. I I do understand why people have really resonated with it because it is such a step up 
and it is full-blown horror of the kind full-blown gore horror of the kind you don't often see um and there is momentum and escalation to it and there is clearly passion and creativity behind it it just doesn't translate through the screen to me i don't get creativity out of it i don't get yeah. passion out of it even though i know it's been put in yeah no I, I mean i totally agree and i i do think like it is such a step up from the first movie like i totally get the enjoyment of it and it does have a very specific and well executed aesthetic in general i think um outside of the the violence itself i think that the film at least has an idea of what it's going for especially in comparison to the first movie which is just an ugly disaster um yeah. this movie has something that it's trying to do and i think pulls it off even if again ultimately i am not a fan of it um how did you feel about the length it's way too long i like okay, it was, yeah. I, I was i thought i was okay with it until i i often feel like long movies and I, tri- I get tricked every time. <laughs> Up until 90 minutes, I'm like, this one's fine. I'm like, oh yeah, and then you hit right. the 90 minute one, and you're like, yeah, still a movie left. Because you're like, oh, this feels good. And you're like, that's because it's only been 90 minutes. And I'm just like, yeah. I can't believe yeah, there's still that much left in this film. I'm certainly not one to blanket like the idea of movies should be a certain length. Um, I have no problem with long movies in a lot of cases, but I think this movie in particular the whole time I was thinking this doesn't need to be that long. This doesn't need to be that long. Like the scenes are just so drawn out. And I I think I understand the idea of it, like this lingering unease, but it just doesn't work for me because the whole thing, the whole thing is just already uncomfortable to a degree because it is so sadistic. And so like the, the extremely extended drawn out sequences, I'm like, this could be so much shorter and not just, there's just no reason for it. I don't think it justifies that. Yeah. And I go to like drawn out, like gore sequences. And these are both much shorter movies but again guinea pig comes to mind and again audition comes to mind but those are like memorable set piece like those moments are the soul and heart of those films whereas like there's a part i I mean i remember it because he's just whipping a child for him but it's not like it's only because that that's what he's doing that that sticks mind but there's nothing in this film that's like oh and then that happened that happened it all kind of like because it's all in the same register of being like violent 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 um none of it stands out there are bits if there were scenes in different movies of like, do you remember that bit where he did this and this and this? Right. Like, wow, that one scene was like, what an escalation of gore because it's at that the whole way through. Eh. Oh, what eh. did you think about? I almost forgot to to mention it. What did you think about that credit sequence? <laughs> I just I was annoyed the movie was back. <laughs> well, I, I would I would agree with that, but yeah, I just thought that was a very bizarre. I'm guessing there it's like a sort of an open ended like if he's, we do an, if we do another one kind of thing, but. Yeah, it just seemed kind of pointless. Halloween I mean, I think yeah. I think in general, like with slasher franchises, there's just sort of an expectation of this character can come back, and I don't really necessarily need an extended sequence that explains well, yeah, how seeing and as why. Jeffo died at the end of the first one, like right. died, 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 died. <laughs> you don't need to do this in the second yeah. one. Um, yeah. All right. Terrifier two, more like Terrifier poo. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <So>. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it rhymes form that's how he okay, works got it um and now pearl pearl this one thank you this for the site so you i do take the lead on pearl yeah um I, I i and this one i think we're generally on the side of the the general opinion on this one um in that we both really like this movie um it's i think great. pearl is fantastic i know i like x quite a lot more than you but i think that in general, for people who did not enjoy X, Pearl works a lot better. Um, I think it's a really... I think just in general, this sort of exercise with these films and like kind of the back-to-back mm. shooting and the creation of this world has been really interesting. Pearl expands on it in such a, a fascinating way for me. 
there was, I, I'm paraphrasing, I wish I had the exact quote, but there was something from, um, it's Ty West, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Where he was like, you don't need like a hundred million dollars to make your movie an event of like, it's, yeah. it's a really, it's a really smart, it like it is marketing, um, but it's also just like, it is a creative impulse and it is interesting. Like, I did not like X very much. I didn't dislike X, but I didn't like it very much. Um, but the idea of here's a prequel to it filmed at the same time right. expanding on a character from it that's coming out just a few months later I'm like that's really fascinating and now I'm already known there's, there's another one coming like it's managed to make something that feels important and to use iconic from earlier that is its own kind of icon already which is great in the horror franchise in the horror genre where we're used to franchises and that this feels like it's thing already and because these works are works of homage are works of pastiches it feels really appropriate that they already yeah. have that sense of like like lineage and continuity to it yeah i think pearl is really really good yeah really good. it's interesting you mentioned the the pastiche aspect because i think it ties in well with i, I think honestly everything we're talking about today but i think like we talk about terrifier 2 kind of emulating a lot of horror ideas but not really executing on them and it's like I think both X and Pearl, like, it's kind of the opposite of where he has taken a lot of ideas and inspiration and is executing them in a much more authentic and effective way. X gonna give it to you. Um, I I feel like with X, I thought was a bit limited by homage stuff, though I thought that opening scene of, like, the aspect ratio gag almost was just absolutely awesome yeah it's really oh, good because it yeah it, it, it evokes you like oh you know four by four fantastic horror and then just like open those gates like nah nah this is a, a widescreen presentation <laughs> but um with x i was like it just felt like it was going through the bits i mean i made a joke in a review actually i didn't make a joke i think zero zebra made a joke so i don't know i said that was me um of <laughs> The oh. X is just like Belnosers. It's a, it's a, it's a real Belnosers going on. Or you like Bel Belnosers fans out there? Um, because there is this this. I mean, I'm spoilers for Le Belnosers, which I don't know how to pronounce and should. Um, my dad would be very upset. Um, but that is about a, a, a painting of a nude, and someone volunteers their partner for it. And then when their partner starts getting very into the being painted side, even if it's not being sexually into it the male partner gets very jealous and possessive about it and it's very amusing to me okay that I, understand. That dynamic. I understand the comparison now the line that you've drawn there it's very interesting that it's just like like a horror trash version of like one of the greatest movies of all time i don't i'd be interested to know if that was any actual inspiration for ty west in the creation yeah, of so that ty west so then the movies that you watch like you know you probably you sat down and you watch things like snuff and cannibal holocaust and la bonus like, you know big horror inspiration for him i'm sure yeah yeah i mean it's a, it's a hey it's a, it's a riveting movie um so x so many shaking head from porn today. Um, X is also um, undeniably um, ageist. Um, it, it thinks that old people are horror monsters, um, which yeah, I, I personally that. do not. Um, I, you know, it's horror is a genre of suspension of right of certain things at certain points. So whatever, no judgment for for the X enjoyers. Uh, it's I felt that X was well shot and was cool. Um, but I often felt that the actual imagination behind it wasn't as interesting as the execution of it. Okay. Um, so there were scenes that I was like, oh, that's technically quite cool. Um, right. That's a well shot, like, court kill and gore scene, but it's nothing hugely striking or imaginative. Pearl is not particularly a gory movie. Gets there at points. Um, 
is yeah. very much referential still, but it feels like it uses references to be completely its own thing in a way that I don't think yeah, X is. It's it's a very different approach. I mean, where X is very much like a, a quite a straight laced kind of slasher approach. This is very much not easy. Yeah, it, it's very sleazy and grungy and, you know, um, Hooper inspired. And this is mm. this is so different. And it's that's why I think that's why it's like so fascinating to have this universe that is built on homage but they are also so clearly distinct and so different um yeah totally different approach to this like this this really fascinating like technicolor i think my i I don't want to just repeat the title of my review as i realized i might have started doing but i think i called it a a technicolor descent into madness yeah it, it totally is it's like it's it's so it's 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 in love with cinema um in the way the x is but like more blatantly because it has like that as a, as, as a plot line here yeah. and like that like pursuit of stardom pearl is a lot of tropes that you've seen before but done really differently yeah. and done gleefully in a way that i haven't really seen it kind of like tells a story that usually goes a certain way in horror and it's usually found a certain way and it's it's just really fun and mischievous and it, it knows how to align the viewer very very carefully and cleverly and it's just, I mean, Calvin keeps saying that it's the exact kind of horror film that he wants and should be made more. And I really agree with him on that. Yeah. Like, it is, it uses its constraints brilliantly. It knows that the best thing about it is a central performance. And it just lets Mia Goff make it her movie. I mean, she has a producer credit and a writing credit, I believe. Yeah, as yeah well she as, helped them write it on set. Um, it's so, so good. And it's so creative. It's so beautiful. It's a really good example of, it fits into the realm of the expected the whole way through. Yeah. And then it kind of like subverts it slightly or it works because it's doing the thing that you want it to do, which is one of the key joys of horror. Yeah, it definitely doesn't step like super far outside the bounds of what you are expecting from it. But yeah, like you said, like it does it so well. And when there are those, just those little subversions to it, like they work Mm. so perfectly. And I think like the ending of it is is the best example of it where it just kind of turns all of it on its head in this just fascinating way. And like that, there's just that, I think it's like an eight-minute monologue from. Oh, Mia the Goff, monologue it's is just utterly incredible. Absolutely incredible. I was just <laughs> when I saw it in uh, at a press screening, and there was only like it was just press, so there was like only like six people there, so it was like just a very empty theater. But it was like everyone You're outnumbered was just... by the characters on screen. <laughs> <laughs> so like so entranced by this this monologue, and then like the way that it it turns at the very end with like that closing mm. shot is just like oh, so, so brilliant. Really love this movie. Yeah, I was I was really surprised. I, I, people like yourself were like, "It's really fun." And then Matt was Matt, who really liked X, was just like, "Even if like, obviously watch X yeah. first. If you didn't like X, I think you'll still really like Pearl." And yeah, I really, really enjoyed Pearl. Um, it's yeah, it's quite quite high up in my my list of the year. Um, just great performances, really fun. Just looks stellar. Has such a great usage of limited locations, and yeah. it even does that kind of like Hellraiser thing of like bringing people back to the house just to like <laughs> murder them. <laughs> it just gleeful, expressionistic, wonderful yeah. horror. Um, and it's really interesting you actually say that about X and like watch X first because it is presented obviously as this being a prequel, which it is. But it's mm. like I would not ever recommend that anyone watch this first. I think it is. Mm. sort of necessitated to watch X first and to get that understanding of who this character becomes. I think it works so yes. much better as knowing where they end up and then going back and understanding how they got to that point and what sort of built to that descent. Um, I think it works so much better than... It would be interesting to find what someone got out of it watching it 
Pearl and then X, but I, mm. I think I think the release order is is a really genuinely interesting way of presenting it. Because I think for me, of X doesn't need Pearl. It doesn't need it to like add meaning to it. Right. But Pearl gets a lot out of little bits of X, and you yeah. know what's going to happen. Um. So I mean, because you know, X was originally made just as X, I believe. Yeah. And, like they started the idea to film Pearl while filming X, and that comes across, I think, in the product of X is its own thing. And Poe is a little kind of like contextualization of it that therefore talks back to it, even if X doesn't talk forward to this right. film. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a really good sense. way of putting it. Yeah, and I, I really like the sort of way that um, Ty West has like continued to sort of like explore like like cinematic perversion, like and he in, the inclusion mm. of that in this and sort of like the origins of that. Like, was, oh is, yeah, it's really, really cool, really interesting way to continue that aspect of of X, and then obviously what will continue to um, be expanded on in Maxine, the next film. Yeah, which I, I can't... It, it, there are bits in here that remind me of one of my favourite films um, of all time, which is Peeping Tom. Um, oh yeah, great. The, I, was, I was... Yeah. I think you might have mentioned that, but I, I... And I had been watching it kind of thinking of similar film from the same director because it reminded me a lot of the red shoes i think there was some <laughs> yes, some, some yes, comparisons no, totally. there as well which god, is an interesting movie to draw the same too, director. yeah um, oh god Powell, just yeah i just again like Powell, like one of the the filmmakers like some of the most yeah. famous films like a matter of life and death um no, of what it's not a matter of life and death what am i thinking of um i don't know what you're what thinking my, of what movie am i thinking of what movie am i thinking of what am I thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking of. Do we need to look this up to find out? Yeah. All right. Well, let's look this up to find out. I'm going to keep vamping. edit this. Obviously, edit this. Obviously. <laughs> um, um. Okay. Oh no, you were right. It is a matter of life and death. Oh, I just just started to question myself. That I was like, wait a minute, is that different? For me? Yeah, so a matter of life and death, which right which, which is just. I, 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 iconic and wonderful red shoes black narcissus and then like stranger things like i know where i'm going and can't, they're not strange films but like more niche things and then for him to get completely blacklisted yeah because he dared to make peeping tom <laughs> which came out the same year as psycho though i feel i think it was made before it and they were like psycho like took the world a bit and everyone was like what's this little perverted thing that you made i thought you were like a classy british director um yeah oh, it's, it's yeah. really fascinating yeah peeping tom is is fantastic that is a really good comparison to pearl i think i just in the the construction and like yeah the the color of it and everything like that i think I, and I, I think it's it's also great like to put it next to x because it is the exact same location but like just the the way that yeah. it's filmed so differently it, it makes it, it feel so different. distinct yeah it's it's fascinating like like that grungy look in x and it's like so desaturated and dark and then you go to pearl and it's like everything is really bright and colorful and totally gets that technicolor feel through these would be just great examples of just what filmmaking is and what it does like how you can take the cons- the same constituent parts and through yeah. direction through writing like because there's even obviously cast carryover like to, to a major extent like they're not like big cast movies and like Mia Goff is a huge part of both I mean she has two roles in X obviously um and it's going to be in Maxine as well but yeah just like what what a difference just filmmaking decisions can make I've right. always been I've, I've loved this idea in my head at some point and I'm sure people have done this of like the idea of like giving two different directors the same script and being like oh yeah now go off and direct this 
as like a show like this is what direction can be and etc and there is like a little bit of a glimmer of this in this movie being like these are the same tools the same parts right and they're so different and it is just sheer creativity yeah pearl absolute banger um can't wait to rank it in a year's time yeah that's yeah this is true this is the, the the start of year two here in this episode yeah i mean we could keep the ranking on going we're not going to but i mean so far <laughs> it's obviously what one and number two is um um so yeah i think that's unless you have anything more for for pearl there it's it, it is you know it is a real pearl yeah a pearl. Really, if, if, really if, excellent. if x is the grit and like the slimy oyster then pearl is the pearl in that it's <laughs> worth op- it's worth prying open x and it's ageist grit and it's the grit that makes the pearl and x did make the pearl so really i think that's why he called it that because i think he knows that x isn't very good and he knows that pearl is great and i think he did it on purpose very very clever I don't agree, but great metaphor, so I, I, I'll just okay. go ahead and agree with that there. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Halloween. Let's talk about Halloween. Let's, talk, let's first of all talk about Halloween, shall we? Yes, let's, let's go through. Let's, let's go move, because we have, I know okay. we have both seen all his movies, because we watched them together. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, apart from um, these three, these new three. So, the Halloween movies. I'm going to start with a hot take. Okay. Um, of these slasher franchises, so the big three would be Friday, yeah, Nightmare, and Halloween. Yes. Of those, Halloween has the single best film out of any of them. Agreed. That being Halloween, not Halloween, and not Halloween, but Halloween. <laughs> not, not to be confused with Halloween 2 or Halloween 2. So of the three films called Halloween, Halloween is the best Halloween. Um, <laughs> Agreed. However, Halloween as a franchise is the worst <laughs> of these three. And I think I, I I think I would agree. My favorite is is uh, easily for me is Nightmare on Elm Street. I really like the the creativity of that franchise. Um, I've but secretly just... become a Jason boy. I've secretly become a Jason boy over time. Jason is so interesting. The Friday the Thirteenth franchise, which I just went through all of um, this last month here, and and at first it really took me a long time to get endeared, mm. endeared to it because I really don't like the first three movies, which is a lot of like. These movies aren't very good. I and quite it's... like the first three, but I'm with you to an extent. Yeah, and it's like it's a ten film franchise, and it's like to not like that many of them, and it's like it's hard to stay motivated when it's like most of these other franchises have a great start and then just mm. like get worse from there, and it's different to have a franchise that has a kind of middling start and then goes up from there. I... Um, but by the end of it, I am very endeared to Jason and that franchise. Yes. Um, there are a lot of gems in there, and I think that there is an ease of watching those movies that yes. Halloween doesn't quite have in a lot of the later ones. Like a lot of the later Halloweens are just miserable, and the even the worse um, Friday the Thirteenth yeah. movies are still enjoyable to watch, kind of in their absurdity. Jason takes dumb stuff. I'm yeah. never having a terrible time watching a Jason movie. Definitely. Um, even if they're not very good. Whereas there are some Nightmare movies where I'm having a terrible time. And there are some Halloween movies where That's I'm true. having a terrible time. That's so true. Jason is that classic, like, and they say about the Oscars, like the film that everyone likes second best is the one that wins. It's like how things like Coda wins because everyone's like, well, I don't hate Coda. Right. I'll put that in my second on my ballot. Jason is the one that like secretly becomes the best because it's like, well, it's never terrible. It's never great. Yeah. It's never terrible. Yeah. No, Jason 6 is great. Jason 6 is is utterly fantastic. I really like mm. Jason Lives. And I even like 7 a lot too, which I don't know if everyone agrees with, but that uh, that no wild X, finale but... is too much fun. Jason yeah, X I is mean, very yeah. silly. 
Jason X is really fun. Really, 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 really <laughs> it's good. Jason it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. And um, Jason Takes Manhattan is just too funny not to be endeared by. Um, I totally agree. That ridiculous did, boxing sequence take, takes is excellent. Boat. He takes a boat. He takes a boat. There's a guitar on it. Anyway, the Halloween franchise. Halloween 1. One of the greatest films of all time. 100% agree. One of my one of my favorite films. I've watched it every Halloween for a few years now. And it's just... It never, never stops being a favorite of mine. It is just constantly and a, a total classic and one of my favorite films and just also one of my favorite directors of course yeah yeah, yeah. and which leads us to the contractually obligated um halloween 2 which is fine um i don't hate halloween 2 I, in fact i quite like halloween 2 there are stupid things about it um yeah there, it's fine it's it's needless but it's fine there's there's some good violence and some good stuff in halloween 2 there's <laughs> there's some creativity in there that i really enjoy and i like the the crying blood mask at the very end but other mm. than that it's it's quite mediocre and i really don't like the lore that it introduces oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which then gets brought back later um yeah um so actually the rob zombie halloween to jump forward it, it does halloween 2 at the beginning and i love that bit of that rob that rob zombie halloween at that point i'm like oh this is like a a better yeah. Halloween 2. This absolutely rules. And then it becomes something different. Um, so, Halloween 3, Season the Witch. I, uh, one of my favorite horror movies in general. I really, really love Season of the Witch. Um, it's, it's awesome. I think partially kind of in spite of itself because I yeah. hate the main character and he is a just... The worst thing about that film is Tom Atkins' character, who is just a terrible guy and, like, does not serve the movie in a very purposeful way, like his character. But yeah. everything around that I love so, so much. Yeah, the, the sleazy stuff of him there is awful. Um, the movie um, the movie does hate the Irish, but it also, there's such plausible deniability, it seems to not know what Ireland is. So. <laughs> well, that's definitely <laughs> true. When, when they link in, like, the Stonehenge stuff at the end, I'm like, mate, do you know that's in England? Like... <laughs> That's got nothing to do with Ireland. Like the film is so confused, it's just like I don't know Celts. And I'm like, mm, you are, you are, yeah. you are confused it's all here. Over the place. These these things don't actually gel together. But so it's, yeah, it's, it's it's weirdly anti-Irish, but it's also anti-capitalism. So you know, you take your win. Yeah, from it it's down. it's so great this this like idea of like this corporate witchcraft stuff. And I think mm. like I'm just so endeared by I think the path that it promises for this franchise that was never taken like this sort of alternate reality where we would have gotten a an anthology based halloween franchise which would have yeah. ended up being i think so much more interesting um but yeah i i really love season of the witch a lot yeah i think we are both fans um in general of the film that does the different thing very um, much and which we'll come back later just, what yeah we'll come back later and the franchise does this a couple of times i think though and again, to jump forwards, though I don't like Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 very much, I do like that it does different things. Same. I just don't think it executes them in a way that I enjoy very much. And I understand the defenders or just the avid supporters of that film. I'm like, no, I get it. I don't get it with Halloween 1, so that film's just no. like, this is just not as good. Um, so I, I admire that. So we won't say much for Halloween 4 because we have a Twin Geeks podcast on it. Um, actually, the one thing I will say about Halloween 4... <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, which was not brought up on the Twin Geeks podcast. Um, so has the the single greatest line from the entire franchise. Don't try well, any of that Halloween shit with me. <laughs> don't try any of that Halloween shit with me. <laughs> when, when Michael Myers walks in. 
and a guy turns to him and says, don't try any of that Halloween shit with me. And I'm like, oh yeah, because yeah, so it's Michael good. Myers from Halloween. He does the Halloween shit. <laughs> we were saying earlier, what does Art the Clown do? Nothing. No, right. no iconography. No, because that is. Michael Myers does that Halloween shit. And you're like, Absolutely. don't do that Halloween shit with me. I think, I mean, well, I think that's kind of the, the thing with a lot of these later Halloween sequels is like, they are almost all terrible but like they will have one or two moments that you're really endeared to that you just <laughs> yes. kind of pick out and you're like yeah i like that but then everything else around it you're like no maybe not yeah. um, which i think kind um, of the same thing about uh, halloween 5 which is just abysmal five's not i always forget five's only when loomis just keeps like grabbing children and shaking them is, is, is that one <laughs> i think that sounds about right i think I, halloween I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I think Halloween 5 was the point where I was like, why is everyone in Haddonfield constantly dressing up as the serial killer that terrorizes their town all the time? I get 5 and 6 confused, though I quite like though I quite like 6, uh, even though it is bad. Um, it's 5 like the one when they like have like a celebration or like an audio yeah. like, podcast recording thing to like, yeah, it's been a year since our last massacre. It's like, so weird. What yeah, Halloween, and Halloween Five is when he has like a little apprentice, his like the little girl, uh, like um, in Terrifier too. Um, there you go, it's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, Halloween Five, and then yeah, Six is an interesting sort of divergence and the the end of. That. I would screen Six for friends happily. Six is a movie I'd chuck on and go. Let's 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 enjoy watching for this because it is terrible. It's terrible, but it is so much. F- fun in how terrible it mm. is um in a way that a lot of the other halloweens are not um i do enjoy six even though it is terrible i, I specifically it's... what is it the producer's cut which makes it much yes. more watchable yeah but doesn't make it make sense i mean no, no. The, this is this is the movie that makes so little sense and screwed up the franchise so much they gave it to rob zombie <laughs> they're like we we, we 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 can't go forwards from this i don't know you have it um so uh yeah so um well, we'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, Halloween 6 is just... So yeah, the big reset after this, because we get to the, the Thorn stuff, which is absolute nonsense. There's a bit yeah. where Michael Myers just associates the back of a room, um, which is <laughs> the endearing bit. Like, there's some cult stuff, and he's just like in the background, like, hi, I'm still here. And you're like, oh, Michael, how are you doing? Yeah, so uh, Halloween has like three or four timelines at this point. But yeah, the cult of the Thorn timeline is very strange to me. It's such yeah, a the... weird like way to expand on the lore that just makes really no sense. It's probably... Yeah probably my least favorite of the the timelines because none of those movies are very good <laughs> so yeah four five and six are sequels to one and two yes and now so seven is h 20 20 years later i yes yes that is correct yes so yeah but we're not a zombie yet i put on my joke late earlier we're not at zombie yet i get confused sometimes so it's h 20 20 years later colloquially yes. known as h2o because that's how it looks it is how um, it looks <laughs> Which is Calvin's favorite movie, um, <laughs> and it sucks. I, I really, I really do not like H two O. It is, it is quite bad, and it's like the same thing where it's like that whole movie is terrible. But who is it? Hold on, I want to make sure I get the the actor right. Um, yes, okay. Oh, yes. LL Cool J reading yep. like erotic poetry or whatever. It's like the best thing about I mean, that movie. You might as well rename him VL Cool J because I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you know what LL Cool J stands for. I do. Um, so it's actually Vaughn loves Cool J. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> VL it. Cool J because yeah, we like him in that reading his erotic literature. Yes. Um, this movie reminds me of Halloween Kills. You know that one bit in Halloween Kills which I refer to as the Assassin's Creed moment where they all stand around Ezio oh, Michael Myers yes. as he just, like, parries them one by one, and one guy's brought an iron. <laughs> it's 
this is just that, but it's Laurie as those people. And Laurie'd be like, I'm yeah. going to kill Michael Myers. I'm like, I don't think you are. Like, I, this is... Also, this how is... are you a high-level academic? I mean, that's great for you, but this 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 seems to come out of nowhere. So this, this is a sequel to one. Yes, this ignores not two, two. I believe But so. then reinstates the plot point from two anyway? I think you're right. Yeah, it, this is such a weird movie. I think, is H2O also the one where um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets killed by an ice skate? Because that's a great moment. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also like one good thing about a, a very bad movie. And I think what's fascinating, what I love about H2O and then its follow-up Halloween Resurrection. Oh God, the worst is, of the franchise. It is the worst of the franchise, but it's like such a weird ending and then continuation of those two mm. movies of like how they kill michael myers at the end of h2o and then bring him back immediately <laughs> like it's and then yeah and then jamie lee curtis is killed immediately at the beginning of resurrection but it's not actually her is that right am i remembering that correctly uh, yeah I, I don't know but occasionally i like to say things like don't watch the resident evil series but watch like the first eight minutes of episode eight or whatever i said on the stacks thing and oh there was another thing recently what was that thing called that person that did under the shadow made a terrible movie recently um i'm not sure that, that, I know. that had that had a, um i was here we were here you were here you were never really here <laughs> i don't know where i honestly don't know what this is you're talking about i wish i could i wish i could lead you on this one uh it's 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 like we were it's called something like we were here what was it it's let me just scroll to near the bottom of my <laughs> You'll be surprised. I came by. There you go. Because it's just a terrible title. That I've mentioned this in a stacks thing. So I came by is a movie that no one should watch because it's not very good. But there is one clip about halfway through it that is so hilarious <laughs> and so stupid that I want to just watch that bit. Um, I'll find the clip for you at some point because I know okay. that you would love it because it's just it is just wild and it's even strange in the context of the film. So, Halloween Resurrection has a couple of those points of being like, this is utterly bizarre and wonderful. And I right. want to be like, people, watch the beginning of Halloween Resurrections, because it's hilarious. And then just, that's that's the movie. It's just a short, it's a short film. No, I will add, because there's a, my favorite moment in Halloween Resurrection, which I mean, in general, Busta Rhymes in Halloween Resurrection is just mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's a moment where... Because it's a stupid reality show thing where Busta Rhymes <laughs> is dressed as Michael Myers and then actual Michael Myers comes to the house and he tells Michael Myers to skedaddle because he thinks it's someone else dressed as him. And that it is does just... This, it does that Spider-Man so meme. It's the Spider-Man meme. It rules. It's so um, good. Yeah, Halloween Resurrection is utterly terrible. But yes, now, abysmal movie. Rob Zombie takes over. Um, let's not make more enemies by talking about Rob Zombie. Um, those two films exist. And then we have a long period very long period yeah and so when was halloween 2 rob zombies halloween 2 was 2009 so almost yeah. almost 10 years between halloween yeah. 2 and um, halloween 2018 which is also i think colloquial known colloquially i can't say that word um known as h40 um because it is the the oh movie. i was about to say what yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not like e40 no no <laughs> um i would watch e40s h40 okay. yeah oh, yeah yeah. Um, what do you think about Halloween 2018 though um, it's fine um, occasionally I will turn to my wife and go look at the mask Michael look at the mask and <laughs> we will both laugh about it because that bit in that movie is just just so hilarious um, I remember loads were really liking H40 as I now call it so I like that um, and Emma and I were just like it's okay like I am, it, I am a I, I really like it a lot 
I'm in. I'm in it, that camp. The the true crime stuff doesn't really do anything with. I mean, I'd not seen it since I saw it in cinema, but I was like, eh, it's fine. It's a bit drawn out. Um, I like the brutality of it. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. It doesn't really make any sense, and I just don't really care about it that much. It's fine. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those movies where I, I get the the criticisms of it, but having, it's good. It's just, having it's watched just... it a, a couple of times, I'm still just like, yeah, I really, really like this movie. Um, for me, the third best Halloween movie. Although since most of them are quite bad, it's a a difficult um, thing to rank. No, no, probably no, 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 it's it's not the third best. No. no, no, no. What, what's there for you? We're going to talk about it soon. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, then let's let's move on to Halloween Kills then. Which is not the third best, I have to say. Which is certainly not, <laughs> not the third best. Um, uh, Halloween Kills is bad. Um, there are some people on the internet who want to tell you that Halloween Kills is a good movie. <laughs> Those people are liars to themselves. Halloween Kills I have not rewatched. It's the only one um, of the, the new movie. Well, I guess I haven't rewatched Halloween Ends either, but I... I I'm not sure how I really feel about it. I enjoyed it quite a bit when I watched it the first time. I mean, it's, yes, it is t- terrible, but I think in a way that I, mm. I ended up actually enjoying it quite a bit, I think um, there is quite a lot of good violence in there, um, and there is a lot of stuff that I like about it, but also I think if I rewatched it, I would probably like it quite a bit less. Um, it it the, has got that throwback thing where there is just, um, as we said earlier, it's got some of those Halloween moments of this is just ironically hilarious. So evil dies tonight. Hilarious. <laughs> guy, hilarious. guy bringing an iron. Hilarious. Michael Myers using a human being as a knife rack. Hilarious. <laughs> those points. Brilliant. Enough. Like, I, I don't hate Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills, I'm I'm quite endeared towards because it's a stupid movie. I think the, the good thing about like these newer the the remakes in comparison to the really bad older movies like the really bad older movies are bad and often have really nothing to show for it regardless where these even if you are not a fan of like the narrative stuff i think that there is still very interesting violence and gore in there to be found and there is also Mm -hmm. a lot of really really great john carpenter scores in there and his music elevates these movies so much yeah um but yeah, that's, which I mean, brings that's, us yeah brings us to Halloween Ends. I think um, it's I think it's really really good. I really, really like Halloween Ends. Um, I, I love Halloween Ends. I think it is awesome. <laughs> I really take, really take, like this movie. Take take that the haters. This is number three Halloween film for me. It goes Halloween, Season the Witch, and then this top three easy. Yeah, this I mean, is just, not much competition. This is number four for me because I think I like um, twenty eighteen slightly better. But um, yeah, this is just so awesome, and I think like. I mean, I get it. That is, it Corey is in the, the house. Corey in the house. Corey is in the house. <laughs> in the I house. love him. It is such a divergent film, but it is to me. It's done with such intent, and I think it really clarifies yeah. what this trilogy is trying to do. And I just love that so much. Like, yeah, th- there's a realization I think at the very beginning of this when it does the opening credits, and it is the season of the witch font, and I'm like, oh, this is. I mean, this new trilogy is basically just echoing the original trilogy. And I love that. I think that's perfect. I mean, it's it's Halloween, and then Halloween 2 is in the hospital, and then Halloween 3 is completely divergent and wild and just does whatever the fuck it wants. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, I, I love that this movie just does not seem to care about, you know, that continuity of it. I'm trying to find a, a quote for you. Um, Don't worry, I'll cut uh, this out. I've got a lot to cut out of this podcast. It will, oh, it's going to be so difficult to find this. I sent it as a WhatsApp to someone, so I'll, I'll find it that way in my Halloween Kills group. 
um, Halloween ends group. There you go. Um, ah, found it. Cool, cool, cool. This okay. is an interview from before the film came out. Um, so it starts with a quote from Green. I sent Carpenter the new draft of Halloween Ends the other night, and I said, it feels too Christine. Let me know. <laughs> Already wonderful. And now here's the article, Green said. Again, how? Christine focuses on a high school nerd who connects mentally with the killer car. So much that the car goes out and runs down the nerd's enemies. Is Michael Myers going to hook up with some nerdy high school kid and start bumping off his bullies? I guess that would be a change of pace. <laughs> Oh, my dear writer! That is entirely the movie. <laughs> yes, yes, that is the film. It is. Uh, I didn't see those comparisons. At least watching the movie, like I had heard that comparison, and it took me a while to kind of really draw those lines. I don't know if I like. I don't totally see. I, I obviously the overarching um, connection there is pretty <laughs> obvious. I think in the execution of the movie, I don't feel it quite as yeah, much personally, but. But yeah, it's it's, it's like it's like a, all monsters attack. It's, it's such a wild thing to be. It's just so weird and different, and I, I just I really like it. I think it. I don't think like it's so divergent, but I don't think any of it is particularly like out of character. Like it still to me is in line with what these movies have been doing, and I mm. think that it, it works just fine in that way. I think that it has it sets the the other movies have set up Michael Myers in this timeline as very much explicitly like a more supernatural being who is sort of driven by his own bloodlust and is sort of like almost like powered up when he kills people and i think that this movie does such an interesting thing with Mm. that of like he has kind of retreated underground and has like sort of lost, lost his strength and so like he like like his he like uses this kid as like a way to like bring him or, strength or does he i mean we we i mean i'm usually not this person at all but we have no clue if this is michael myers and the movie has no no interest that's in a, that's a really interesting way to look at it because you're totally right like this is it is just continuity for continuity's sake it is a, a michael myers figure that appears and comes back and it knows that it makes no sense either way if it is michael myers or not michael myers which is more like the thematic point of this is the threat that keeps rising up again which is interesting because like why is michael myers hanging on the sewers this movie is not that interested in like no. physical minutiae of plot which is great to me um, i agree let's get let, let's get deep here vaughn and let's talk okay. about why well, this film um because it tries loads of things and i don't think it actually nails them but it tries so much that's really, really interesting. So there was a while where what I thought was going on was that that news station was the thing that was driving people mad. I thought that... Interesting. I thought that it was just this signal that was being sent out that was actually in that... um, in like the crazies kind of way, the George Romero movie of that. It was just like spreading hate and anger. And I thought that's why they went to like burn it down. It's like, and like, but there is a little, there's still a little bit of that in the movie of like, there is this person, this wild, like conspiracy guy who's trying to find like targets for hate. And this is going to be a Stephen monologue. I apologize. But Happy I remember early. when the film was being talked about, the script was being talked about and people like me were like, I don't know about this because there's that weird quote about how the film was going to deal with COVID yeah. and ostensibly it doesn't 
realistically, I think it very much does, like hugely does, in the sense that it deals with things that I think have been felt. It deals with the things that we have been dealing about because of COVID, which is why I think that this one just doesn't work fully. It's really interesting. This idea that there's been this sense of like loss and suffering that is not tangible that we can't really attach yeah. something to no you're absolutely but we, right but we but, but we want to find things to attach to so we find a cory to blame and to throw things we just have like so much locked up grief and like anger and resentment about systems Very about much. people etc and it shows how those are like offloaded and the shock shock links to that and i think genuinely though i think the ending is ridiculous it does remind me hilariously of the Queen's funeral. Um, of, I mean, I get I, it. I can't believe this film ends with people queuing up to. But again, I was talking to my wife Emma about um, the the Queen and the the weird like and I'm going to say weird the weird outpouring of grief over the Queen of England dying. And a thing that I said, which I was very proud of myself, as I thought was an astute okay. thing, I was like, and I know, but <laughs> it, do you reckon it's because? I was like, do you reckon it's because people have a lot of grief that they've been yeah. built? Like building up for like two years, and they may not be subcon, they may not be consciously linked to that, but this has given them a moment where they can actually like grieve over something, and it has been this like outpouring of emotion, and there is that cathartic element at the end of like I think so, yeah. ends, where it's 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 not really about Jason, and they know sorry um about Michael, and it's not really matter that he's dead. It's about like the symbolic sense of. A period has ended, like yeah, it's a, like a weight an, an being lifted that we can that we can yeah. name, like something that. So there, there, there are these ideas that are really, really interesting underneath it about collective grief, collective suffering, and us needing an outlet to target our hate at. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's something that I didn't quite think about, even though I ended up kind of writing about it in my review. Like the the, the film, and I didn't just I just didn't connect those two dots, but like the film very much does present this sort of lingering air of of fear of this like you said like this thing that is not tangible but just like exists in the background and it's like they're trying to move on and act like everything is okay but it's very clearly not Mm. you know and i think yeah the film does that so well like that it is all of these people kind of just pretending even though that this violence just exists in the background and is going to kind of it you're just sort of waiting for it to come out and and cause destruction again um, and it's interesting what you said about like the radio station because I think even though it definitely doesn't quite do that, which yeah. what, like what your expectation was, like that is and would be an interesting connection to season of the witch again, where like yes, that is exactly. basically what that movie is, where it's got like these these transmissions through the televisions that are sort of brainwashing people, um, which would be uh, a cool connection. So maybe that was kind of the idea there that wasn't quite fully. I think executed, that's why I think that's but, why I thought it was going yeah. that way. So it's like, oh, you didn't. I was like, you are doing some season of the witch stuff here. It's like this is this is really interesting, <laughs> and it's it, it's plucky. It's trying stuff. It's interesting. It also just is really really fun. It is, um, yeah. Like it's it's also hilarious. Um, <laughs> it, it, it plays its stock characters against each other really, really well. They're all pulpy. They're all stupid. And in other films, I would hate this, but I love the weird, like, cine literate inflections of it. I love that it does that fallen angels shot a couple of times, and it could not be more obviously <laughs> right. that fallen angels shot. I love that there's just that lost highway shot, and the film knows it's there. 
it's doing it. And then our friend Cormac watched it and he pointed out say, yeah. the, the, the Joseph Losey bit <laughs> from The Servant, which is a film that I absolutely adore. Of like, the film is willing to... Because again, it goes back to that, like it exists in like a, a filmic, hyperbolic unreality. Yes. Of it's, it's speaking cinematically. And it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning and you were agreeing with like, it doesn't care about making narrative sense. Yeah. It has no interest in that. But it cares about being evocative to produce humour or evocative to just like play with some ideas and use like Michael Myers as like a an idea to, to dredge back up. I think for me, like the big difference between this and Halloween Kills is like, to me, Halloween Kills is often unintentionally very stupid and i think halloween ends is very intentionally stupid in a way that is so great like i think it is very much leaning into that sort of this idea of these these schlocky horror sequels and like this franchise stuff that like was just like sort of delirious and crazy and weird and made no sense and it's just like but that's the stuff that like ostensibly horror fans love like we love those crazy franchise divergences and that's what this movie i think is is trying to emulate and for me it does it Mm. really well because it feels really intentional to me but i also can totally understand why someone watch this and be like what the what is this you know like yeah it's it's, so ridiculous yeah i left it i've sort of a few friends and i was like to them being like people gonna hate this movie and they're like really and i'm like people are going to hate this movie and i I was right really do i was like average 2.3 on letterbox which is just wildly low to me yeah um, people are gonna hate it um, it's it, it's it's really really strange what do you think of the criticism that some friends of ours who really liked it and liked the Corey stuff because the Corey stuff is obviously controversial i i like the, the Corey focus because again i do too it's that season the witch idea of being like and again i'm, I'm always that person this like it's 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 not about the people it's about these things will repeat and keep happening like, yeah I mean, these things are going to reiterate and then we've got friends that like that and then they bring michael myers back and the movie loses them which is yeah it's interesting i mean i I can understand the idea of like i want this film to be doing one thing i want it to either be divergent and just focus on this new character or just be classic halloween and only focus on michael myers but i like that it does both of those things yes because for me like i said earlier like i think that Corey is set up in a very specific way for me of like he is basically like fuel for michael myers like if you talk about like that presence of michael myers and like instilling fear on the town that he's just sort of lurking beneath like i think that his basically his the the goal is like his avenue for sort of becoming fully like resurrected again not to (laughs) bring back the halloween (laughs) resurrection um but like his avenue just being like i am going to sort of use this kid and like get him to commit this violence for me so that i can then just toss him aside when i can you yeah. know, have my have my power fully back and i think that works quite well for me and i like that the film mirrors that and i i, I do like that it it writes when that the cory is a nothing like cory doesn't right matter. Corey is he doesn't matter at all yeah. um yeah he is just this 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 thing that gets apart. and i do like the film that goes the this is what you want we'll give you what you want in that very like texas chainsaw way of being like yeah. two way of being like this is what you wanted and you're like no it's not what i want leave me alone <laughs> like here's michael myers again that's the guy that you like look he's back you're like what is going on and like every five minutes i was like i do not know where this one was going i have no idea what's going on this is this is wonderful i'm like i'm so consistently surprised by this film it's just doing wild things yeah very enjoyable it is really enjoyable like i said like it does just i don't know it contextualizes the whole trilogy in such an interesting way for me where like i totally get wanting and expecting there to be a much more direct like continuity of like 
character motivations and like a lar- a more of an arc for Laurie and all of that. But like, if you look at it through the perspective of this is just redoing sort of it's do it's like a new take on Halloween one, two, and three. Like, yeah, there is no there is no continuity to be had. Halloween twenty eighteen on its own is a very interesting to me at least a very mm. interesting exploration of Laurie's trauma and all of that, and it's very serious and it takes does that very well. And then it has no interest in that outside of that because Halloween 2 and Season of the Witch don't have interest in continuing those things either. They are very different movies. And if this is trying to do that same thing, then I don't need this to be a specifically, you know, character yeah. accurate arc for Laurie. And, it, and it's, it's commenting on sequelization by doing that. Right. Being like, you yeah. know, here's some things. Here's the stuff. Um, I like bringing Michael Myers back ultimately because I feel like that's like its own joke of being like, it links back to the Halloween three, Halloween four thing, and being right. like, "This is the person. This is the, this is the franchise, huh? This is the franchise, huh?" And I do like the Michael Myers and Michael Myers Junior kind of bit, and I do like the thing right. which is like, it's basically like, "Daddy's disappointed. Bam, don't really care about that." And I do like the show off between Laurie and Michael Myers at the end. I think it's Me really too. really cool. It do does too. really fun stuff of it. It just, even if it's, it, it always kind of makes sense in the moment. Even you're like, "Wait, yeah. what?" Um, it's compelling, it's interesting, it's exciting, it's just bold, different. It, I mean, it's functionally quite familiar for filmmaking, right. but in the play space with the budget and the franchise it's playing with, it's absolutely wild. Like, Yeah, I, I was just like, I, by the end, I was just like, I don't know, like excited to be watching it. Like when that yeah. showdown happens with, with Laurie and Michael, I was like, yeah, it's ridiculous, but I was having such a fun time with it. And I'm like, it doesn't, I don't need this to be, you know, again, like, I don't need it to be congruent with anything else. This is just so cathartic, like, such a cathartic moment for Laurie to, like, finally get this sort of one-up on Michael. And I can just enjoy the hell out of that. And then when it goes to the wildness of that finale and, like, just putting him into the, <laughs> the industrial shredder, I'm like, okay, sure, why not? I'm going to have a great time with this. Which is like our favorite movie recently, The Woodship of Massacre. Um, but I, I, I even like like the paratext of this film. The because I was enjoying that fight at the end because it's like, oh, this is the trailer. Oh, this is what you put in the trailer. Right. That's hilarious that you did that. I'm like, it's really funny that the trailer picks from this ten minute sequence of the film right. and just like gloriously mismarkets the film. Gloriously so. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it speaks to, like, the movie just doesn't care, and that's what I like about it. I'm like, don't care, mm-hmm. sure. Swing as hard as you can, and even if some of it misses, I'm gonna, you know, appreciate it that much more. Yeah. I, you know, it's, like, just the little things, like, I love so much that the the song that plays when the movie ends and the credits drop is uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. It's just, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, I clapped, I such laughed, a, I loved such it. A, yeah, such a little callback, but I'm like, awesome, great. I just, it's so clear to me that at this point especially that david gordon green just has such an affinity for halloween and really loves these movies and was so excited to be making these and i'm like hell yeah this it's is just pop- i'm happy popcorn for stupidity it's just yeah. like art house popcorn stupidity in this like kaleidoscopic brilliant wonderful way i don't think it's a brilliant movie i'm actually a bit colder on it um Cold is the wrong term here. I'm really hot on it because I think it's just awesome. But I don't think it's a great film. I think like it yeah, doesn't really totally come together. Um, I, I, I like the bits that it could be more than the bits that it is. But yeah, as a wild that. cultural artifact, I think it's awesome. It <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it is, you know, I, it's hard to say that any, any of these franchises are ever really going to be done. But I think to me, this is a very fitting and, and, and strong ending point. Um, if this is where the franchise is going to be left for at least a also very long time. makes me want another one because I'm now it's now that sense of being like you have to deal with this now <laughs> <Have> you <laughs> like 
<laughs> right? You do you do kind of want more, which maybe maybe that's the point, you know, like litmus test. Do people actually want more of this? Maybe not. Maybe it's just us, but yeah. <laughs> make more it, for us. It is I the franchise so much um now like this feels like the last Jedi to the Force Awakens that is like Halloween 1 of People like me are like, ah, you're doing some fun stuff. This is brilliant. Loving this. And then yeah. the person that has to continue from it is just like, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> what remember, do you want me to do with this? I remember watching it and uh, our friend Trav posted like a list of movies that he was like, this this stuff is reminding, like Halloween Ends is reminding me yeah. of these movies. And I had just started it. And The Last Jedi being on that, I was like, what yeah. am I getting myself into here? But now but, it's like, I totally yes. understand it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Halloween, Halloween Ends um, is great. I really, really, really really enjoy it as well yeah really fun time in cinema laughing the whole way through laughing with it at it even but it knows you're laughing at it oh oh yeah what a joy exactly it's the it's the intentional just those teens hilarious teens like the ridiculous like marching band hooligan (laughs) teens who are just like a caricature of teens from the movies is exactly that's funny the one thing that i will say which um emma picked up on because i was also talking to her about barbarian and there's a bit towards in a barbarian where just a implied homeless person is just killed to add a bit of excitement. Um, um, spoilers for Baron, I guess. But in this movie as well, it definitely uses the homeless as disposable batteries, or like it's like killing without stakes. Of yeah. we want to show that a person can kill someone, but we don't want to use a person. Is basically the idea of it. So yeah, totally. there is that bit partway through, which I think I made a very good point. I'm like, yeah, no, you are, you are not wrong. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, the movie is an absolute blast. I love that Michael's just like, um, well, actually, the movie it reminds me of the most. I mean, I made loads of spurious like comparisons in my review, but it's like the pit. Which I don't think you've seen. I haven't. I have no idea what you're comparing this to. It's like The Pit, which is a movie that basically um, Charlie and Farley remade as Sammy of this like weird, ridiculous horror movie about some this kid that finds some monsters in a pit and just keeps taking people to that pit so he can feed them to the monsters. Basically, (laughs) it's like The Pit, but it was Michael, but it was Michael Myers in a tunnel. Which that's, I mean, that's just so great that, like, there are so, so many stupid. movies that you can draw comparisons to, which is, like, I that, I think is 100% the aim of this movie. It's just, like, it's trying to emulate so much of that just ridiculous horror stuff. And if you can connect it to a bunch of horror movies that you really like, why are you, you know, no reason to dislike this one. This one's great. It's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, and it's 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 fully in conversation with, and I like that it, it, it alludes to things from all over, like, the spectrum. It's like that, like, high art, low art, who really cares? Of, like, yeah. we'll get a bit of all in there. We'll be a bit like the pit. We'll be just, like, schlocky and ridiculous. Because, oh. yeah, I put in my review that um, it's ultimately most similar to the pit in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> 2, and then just has allusions to fallen angels and lost highway. God. <laughs> <laughs> Fallen Angels is such a funny one to have in there. It's so great, and it's so over. It's but it's oh, especially yeah. been like if you know, you know. But right. it's not, uh, which is is great. You're like, oh, you're like that's wonderful. Yeah, um, but it's yeah. also like you know, I get it. If I'm making a ridiculous like just ridiculous send up movie like that like why not just throw some Wong Kar Wai in there we'll just do it yeah. why not hey, <laughs> it, worked, it worked for the Daniels if the Daniels can do it <laughs> exactly David Gordon Green can do it yeah what a what a wild movie very very right and again obviously maybe maybe it's a thing where the actor that's in both of those movies maybe she has a thing in her contract where there must be a Wong Kar Wai prestige you think so <laughs> I think so okay it's an interesting thing she would put in her contract. 
I, I mean, every ever all at once, one car white pastiche. Halloween ends, <laughs> Two one car white pastiche. What does movies have in common? Jamie Lee Curtis. I can't argue with that logic. You're right. It's perfectly it's perfectly sound. Airtight. Has anyone ever seen Jamie Lee Curtis and one car white together? I, probably. I don't know. Maybe at con or have something. Have you? Have you? <laughs> I haven't, no. I haven't seen either of them in any place, though. I'm just, I'm not saying they're the same person, but they could be. Okay. Um, there you go. Oh, um, well, Stephen, what do you have to recommend this week? Is it, did you forget this segment this week? Or nope, have you remembered? did not. Did not. Awesome. I always remember. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so, I thought I would share with you um, my highlight of um, my October horror watches. Okay, go for Would it. be the thing to go for. And, um, as I start this, it sounds like you know we like to we like to champion the little guy over here, the the the, the understeen, the the of less course. interesting, less conventionally interesting, and I, when I start saying the Exorcist, you're like oh, it's the Exorcist. Everyone's seen the Exorcist. The Exorcist three is a film I've wanted to watch for so long, and finally got round to it um, this Halloween se- season, and it is the one movie that has like stuck in my mind and lived with me the most. Have you seen the Exorcist three yet? I have not. No, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I, to the extent, I feel like I may have even underrated it. Like a four star film of like it's though I don't know. Though there are bits in it that are not that amazing, but it's it. If I didn't know it was made in the nineteen nineties, I'd be like, it's a, a great seventies horror film. Like it has that that wonderful pacing. It yeah. has that wonderful thoughtfulness to it. Like it lingers. It takes time. It has like a core of like literary ideas to it, but then still is kind of like it's it feels ornate but chilling and scary. It has some bits in it that are really iconic, um, which is my word of the day apparently. It's got that one scare that you'll have seen with the I mean, if you've seen like compilations of jump scares, the XS3 appears in all of them. Um, but that scene in context is just phenomenal. And it's XS2 is horrendous, XS1 is absolutely phenomenal. And Exorcist 3 is such a great continuation of the first film, but is different and takes on different ideas and has so many great sound performances. It is slow, it is ponderous. It's really chilling and gripping and actually generally scary. I'm not often scared by films. Yeah. Films like the Exorcist 3 scare me a little bit because there's, there's something chilling to it and sinister mm-hmm. and uncomfortable to it in a way it gets to something a bit uncanny like I'm not like kept up at night but I'm like this is right. really quite ooh, a bit of a shiver as you're watching bits of it just like, and it, I think a lot of it's from like the ornate kind of like handsome way it's put together and like how well it's paced and it's so good at putting the camera in amazing spaces so the, the very famous scene of that jump scare happens after like 10 minutes just like there's just this camera at the beginning of this corridor and what you're watching is just at the back of it and you're just so aware of just being you're like, what is going to happen in the foreground? Why am I so far in the foreground? And it keeps doing things like, like, why am I here? What is going on? What are we doing? It uses filmmaking for horror so effectively. It, it, it feels like a really good drama and thriller that just has that generally like chilling backbone of like real yeah. horror to it. The Exorcist 3 is fantastic. I mean, I think in keeping with kind of a lot of what we said today on this on this show, like I think I just love when sort of those horror franchise sequels are sort of just like inexplicably great, and mm. I think there's like because there is often just an expectation that the first one is the special one, and then the franchise after that is 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 sort of weaker and just yeah. capitalizing on the franchise of it. So it's always 
awesome to me when there is just stuff to be found in the in the middle of that that is just actually genuinely but great. Just a moment to celebrate the directorial career of William Peter Blatty, who, as you may or may not know, wrote the novel The Exorcist. Okay. Um, and he also wrote the novel Legion, which is adapted by him into The Exorcist 3. This man directed two movies, and they're both brilliant. Exorcist 3, absolutely brilliant film. Um, and The Ninth Configuration, absolutely brilliant film. Okay, like, interesting. Obviously, he's an acclaimed novelist, so doesn't need to direct yeah. movies. But two movies, absolutely brilliant, done, filmmaking. Done. He makes one in 1980, and then one in 1990, is it? Oh, fascinating. Yeah, so yeah. Just, just, why not? Just get in, get out, make two good movies. Yeah, two good movies, ten years in between. Yeah, what a big party. What a great, what a, what, what a dude. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of have to jump around maybe a little bit here. I had an idea, but I feel like I should follow up with something um, from my month of October. I've already mm-hmm. recommended um, a couple of, of my top films here, um, and I didn't want to go for anything too obvious. Um, I did think about Slumber Party Massacre 2 because it's awesome. Uh, you recently recommended that on the stacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it is very different shows, but um, yeah, no, that is just a, a phenomenal movie that I really love. But it's so great. Um, this isn't quite the same in the realm of of like kind of different and and other. But I'm just going to go ahead and recommend one of my all time favorite horror movies because Ooh. I just recently saw the new restoration of it, which is <sighs> The Beyond. Um, the Beyond is just it's it's so brilliant um i mean being italian horror being just a favorite genre of mine in general because it is such a specific thing that has such a specific language cinematic language and the beyond i think is is one of the best examples of that i i really have come to be a huge fan of uh, lucio fulci this year um have watched like 13 of his movies this year or something like that um, because he just has so many but yeah, The Beyond is is certainly my favorite of his. He has such a great grip on like just the the language and atmosphere of horror and the way that it looks and it's so often his movies are not necessarily like narratively structured in a specific way, but there is such an evocative atmosphere to them of just like this is horror and there's horrific things happening and obviously like his his gore is always just amazing and and really brilliant stuff there. Um but yeah, The Beyond is, is my favorite of his um, part of the Gates of Hell trilogy alongside yes. um, City of the Living Dead and House by the Cemetery. Um, House by the Cemetery, which I also watched this month, month which is really good as well. Um, I've yeah. seen all three of them. I get the titles confused with them in my head. Beyond's one I think I really, really like. Yeah, no, yeah Beyond, I, Beyond is my favorite of the three. Um yeah, so great. So I saw the the new cut. I should explain. Um, there's yeah. a, so it's one. It is just a new restoration of the film, um, which just looks stunning. Um, but it is also being billed as the composer's cut because the composer Fabio Fritzi um, has re-recorded the score. Um, I, parts of it might even be new and different from the original score. Awesome. Um, I think he first did the the idea of the composer's cut um, a few years ago, and like he had performed it live along with the movie, um, and then they turned it into an actual um, cut of the awesome. film. So the, the the film itself, the cut is not different. It's not like a different length, or there's not different scenes or anything. But it is um, totally new score, and it sounds just it's it's amazing. It's it's mm-hmm. very very much like it's far more. 
I would say like open and orchestral and like the way that it's constructed is, is where like the original um, recording of it is much more, I think, um, kind of compressed in that way. Like it doesn't feel quite as as grand um, with the sound design. But yeah, and the new Fantastic. restoration is just is just really, um, really gorgeous. So if, if it is, I think, touring in, in several places around the country right now, playing like in, Memoria. In the theaters. So take Memoria um, in one day and then take <laughs> beyond the next there day. There you go. Um, so if you get a chance and, and the Beyond is playing near you, I highly recommend checking out the composer's cut. But even if not, um, and I think it's supposed to come out on disc soon as well. But yeah, just watch the Beyond because it is one of the best horror films in general. Fabulous. All right. Well, that will do us for today then. So we've got, I mean, five horror films to your buck there with allusions to several others. I mean, the entire Halloween franchise just spoken through. You get real bang for your buck with this. Um, people that like podcasts and our voices, I first of all recommend um, that Vaughn was very recently on the Daydream Cast. That's the, true, it was. Um, our, our video game podcast from the Twin Geeks Network. Yeah, um, talked about Link to the Past. About Link to the Past. I mean, not very much about Link to the Past, I'll be honest, like a little bit of Link to the Past at the end. Um, <laughs> most about other, other video games, but it was a, a very good episode. It was always a, a joy. I mean, I, I love those guys. It was great that, great that you were on there. A great episode. Yeah, very fun. So I, I would check that out. Um, if you want to now know the official ranking of all of Altman's movies, that is yes. wrapped up and done. Um, so yeah, the, the, the Twin Geeks, the podcast event um, is all wrapped up there. And from me, we've got something new coming with myself and David soon. Um, Ashes to Classics, which we're going to find um, later next month. We have a date. I think it's like the 24th of this. That was this month now already. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're in we November. In November. November exists. Whoa, remember, remember. Um, which is about lost films, as in literally lost films from the silent era that have been thought to be gone forever and have been found. And using that as like very much like a, a jumping on point to talk about silent awesome. cinema and, and, and cinematic history and both learn quite a lot from it. Um, we've been wanting to work together on something for a long time and David pitched this to me as an idea and I loved it and we're working on it. It should be great. Um, uh, Ranking the Monsters coming very, very soon. Um, we are speaking about Hedera, Godzilla vs. Hedera, one, one of the best Godzilla films. Yeah. And the monster... Oh, God. This is such a, <laughs> a laborious title. The Monster X Strikes Back Attack the G8 Summit. <laughs> Ridiculous title. <laughs> There's a movie I watched today and I have no opinions on and you have to listen to the podcast to find out about them. Um, so, yep. And always, as always, you can find me with Jack on the stacks and um, the pa- I mean the Patreon, patreon.com slash the stacks on film, where you can find even more stuff from Jack and I on there. Um, and lots of, to, uh, lots of great stuff that I will endorse as I am yeah, yeah, yeah. very much. Yeah, I mean, Jack's been posting some little like videos of his collection stuff which i've been watching and very much enjoying and yeah we've we, it's arnie month um we watched hercules in new york <laughs> <laughs> um, podcast on that kind of say, don't watch that movie but listen to that it's an interesting film it's a hard film to, it's a, a terrible film that's hard to hate um so yes um anything from you um well i was going to say briefly um we can cut this if you don't want to say anything just yet but did you want to briefly tease what is going to be coming next to the twin geeks feed Oh, yeah, you know what? I will. Um, so um, I steal all my best ideas from other people. Um, so because <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a sight and sound subscriber, and I've been very, very excited, as I know that Matt has, because Matt's been trying to finish off the, the current list with a new one. So next month, sight and sound are doing their decade, their every decade poll 
where they send out to directors and filmmakers. I think this is the, this is the sorry, um, reviewers and filmmakers. This is the the critics poll, and they do a filmmakers poll as well. And I don't know if they're doing that this year or not. Um, so they reach out to a certain number of critics from around the world, and they all submit a ten film ballot, and from that they compile a list, um, which is awesome. It's such a cool thing. It's really, really interesting, and it says a lot about like how films are regarded. So, for example. 10 years ago it was fascinating because Vertigo toppled Citizen Kane which was seen to be undoable right. and then reading about that it seems to be quite inspired because at that point Vertigo just being like reissued and has been reshown so it's it's also like a narrative of being like what films are available at a point and are allowed yeah. to be popular so it's 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 not just about like the ranking of them it's like it, it tells you about what film is doing at that point um, yeah with the weeks gonna... yeah um, I was just going to say, like, I think the, the preservation of that stuff is always super interesting. It's like, it's why I have always, I I never just alter, like, my, my top movies list. I have always, at least year to year, I will clone and then save my past list because I like having that document of what have my favorites been throughout time and how does that mm. change and versus just altering it and never really knowing where it was in the past. I think it's important to, to have that yeah. sort of documentation of how things change at different times. Yeah, that's the, the the only thing I use hearts for on um, Letterboxd, apart from like films by friends of mine, um, which I give a little hearts to, is I give it a heart if it has ever been in my top 100 films. So okay. the film may not be in there anymore, but if it's got a heart there, it has been in there at some point. So I was like, at some point, I considered you one of the greatest right. films. And maybe I don't anymore, because I've seen more things, but you will always be there to me. Which is why it's some bizarre that some some get like hugely reevaluated. It's just like, why is this like three stars and a heart and everything else is five stars and a heart? Um so yeah, so the twingeeks.com, um I was like, we should do this. Um so us as all everyone that writes the twingeeks.com that we can get, I think most people are involved, um, for the month of December we are gonna publish a top ten list from each of us. I'm gonna try and do for those who are interested, um a little interview podcast to go with each of them. So that'll be in the Twin Geeks feed. Um and I'm thinking about putting together an, an audience um, submission as well. So you may hear back about that. Um, I'm going to do it in the laziest way possible of I'm going to give the rules for how you enter the film because I'm just going to let Google count it for me. So if you don't follow my rules, if you put, let's <laughs> say, Taste of Cherry count. and you just don't the year after it, I'm not counting it. I don't care. Do it properly <laughs> because I want it to just compile them for me. Um, so yeah, I'll get the rules on that soon. So yes, um, our 10 favorite, we've a lot of us put together already. Um, there'll be articles up. It will guide us through the holiday period quite nicely. And yeah, just great films, learning from each other. And there'll be a bit of stat tracking at the end. I've already compiled films that exist on multiple lists that seem to be very much Twin Geek certified. It's been very interesting so far. And so a lot about us as writers. And I think it'll be a fun thing to get involved in. So there you go. Thank you, Vaughn. Yeah, no, I think I'm really excited for that to uh, to happen. It'll be a fun, fun thing to sort of cap off the year and, and sort of mm. to have that sort of living document of, of, of how... Yeah each of our staff members feel about and what their favorites are and then i think it is like you i think you said like it's just a good sort of way for people to gauge um how each of us are as individual critics um yeah uh, and then i will plug um by the time this is out this will have released but um calvin and i just started a new show um it's going to be releasing every Monday through the end of the year, so it's just eight episodes, and we are going to be covering um, everything awards season. Um, so we are going to specifically be talking through sort of, um, as Calvin and I are both members of the Seattle Film Critics Society, mm-hmm. we are going to kind of be basing our conversations around the 20 categories there. 
Um, in each episode, we're covering a few different categories, um, talking about kind of how we feel about each category and what each category sort of means to us and how we sort of define it, and then kind of talking about where each category stands for this year cool. and what movies we like. Um, so yeah, so this week we just talked about sort of where we have been in the year so far and what we're looking forward to, as well as... Um, let me make sure that I get these three categories right. Our first three categories were visual effects, production design, and costume design, kind of talking about what we like for those categories so far. So yeah, um, you can look forward to that. Um, we'll have a new feed for that show, and that'll just run through the end of the year. A little eight-episode um, season mm. there. Well, a little mini-season. That sounds fabulous. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Well, as always, um, send us an email to thinkingofspoiling at gmail.com. No emails this week because we want to talk about movies this time. But we'd love to go back to them next time. Um, I think we're going to do probably Banshees of Inner Sharon as our next episode, which I was going to go see today and then didn't because I was doing DIY instead and, and that just took too long. But I'm going to go see it tomorrow. So I will have seen very, that. Uh, and you very excited for your thoughts. And I think um, we will plan on having Calvin on that episode to talk about yeah, that gonna, as well. Yeah, we're going to try to. Um, if all things line up, that'll, that'll be amazing. Um, so, yeah. Um, subscribe, rate, etc., etc. And Vaughn, any last words from you? Perhaps the last words every time? <laughs> yes. Stephen, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. I'm glad. I'll be awkward. <laughs> <laughs>